0: visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the message. Amen. And we're going to um, talk about our sermon series is ego. You shall be as gods. We have been talking about the ego, how to be aware of it and how not to let it control us and take us on trips and do and take us all out of the will of God. So we're going to continue with that. And today my title is e- uh, Ego Empire, Ego Empire. Now I just got to put this in here. So I am 41 years old and I have just now seen and uh, the Dudleys, uh, Pastor Dudley and Pastor Dudley, they know about this. I've just seen Star Wars. <laughs> I have not seen it until the year of 2021 um and my brother also can attest to that as well and so i'm looking at how the empire um and for those of you who know star wars how the empire was always trying to infiltrate always trying to take over always trying to be in control um and it's If I had to pick any of the Star Wars movies, there would be clip after clip after clip where you can see this happening. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't seen it, you should see it and watch it with kind of like a spiritual eye. So talking today about the ego empire, we are going to be delving into how our ego wants to just take control and be in control of us. But we are going to be in control of it in Jesus name. So let's go ahead and jump into the word. We're going to be going to Genesis um, chapter 25. And we're going to be reading verses 29 through 34. So wherever you are, if you're able to, if you can stand for the word, that will be awesome. And it says, and Jacob sought pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said sell me this day thy birthright and Esau said behold I am at the point to die and what profit shall this birthright do to me and Jacob said swear to me this day and he swore to him and he sold his birthright unto Jacob the last verse then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way Thus, Esau despised his birthright. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. So today we're talking about the ego empire. So before we jump in, if um, you can put up the definition for ego, put up the definition for ego. So the ego is um, described as the eye of any person, the eye of any person and self-importance, it's the part of you that reacts to the outside world and it mediates between the primitive drive of the id, which is the pleasure-seeking impulses of, of your brain, and the demands of your social and physical environment. So, right there um, in the beginning of that definition, the I of any person. So it's the very it's it's almost um it's something that is innate in us. It's something that we're born with. I, I think of Um, my teaching experience and now i'm teaching kindergarten so i have i have not taught kindergarten in my um past career in the past over 20 years and so i'm seeing more and more of um you know we're teaching things like how to share (laughs) how to take turns because it's innate in us we're born with this primitive drive of our of our id Um, you know, and of our ego that is very pleasure seeking. It's very, it's very me, 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 me. And so we're having to teach children, you know, well, yeah, you do need to be concerned about you. We're not telling this. Let me tell you something. Let's, let's preface this. This uh, sermon is not going to be about just forgetting yourself completely. Amen. But we are trying to make sure that what we're doing is in line with what God wants us to do. That is not so, that we're not so self-centered. And so we're having to tell children, yes, be aware of your feelings, but be also aware of this person's feeling that's right next to you. So I gave them a scenario. My kindergartners now, they're four or five years old. Well, five, five and six, actually. Um, and I gave them a scenario. I said, you know, what if um, you're in a situation where you and your, your friend wants to help the teacher plant flowers? And you know you want y'all both want to do it, but your teacher picks you. How would you feel? They're like, oh yeah, yes, good, happy. I mean, I you know ask them one by one by one, and they're like happy. I'll be excited because that's you know that's what I wanted to do. And so they thought that was the end of it. And I said, well, just take a moment think about how you think your friend would feel. How do you think your friend feels in that same situation? So we begin to talk about they they never. You know, at that age, they're not thinking about their friend. They're not thinking about their friend's feelings. Like, oh well, they might feel a little bad because they didn't get picked. Like, yes, okay. So we're trying to, even at in school and on a natural sense, trying to teach children about your ego. You know, when you, you, it doesn't always have to rule every single decision that you make. Amen. So let's go ahead uh, right to verse twenty nine. Amen. And Jacob sighed pottage. And Esau came from the field and he was faint. So here we have a <laughs> tales episode. That is funny. I love that I can see what y'all are saying. <laughs> so here we have um, two twins. We have Jacob and we have Esau. And so and from the beginning, the Bible begins to compare them and give you you know, um, descriptions about each one of the twins. They're twin boys. And so Jacob is described as a plain man He's uh, dwelling in tents and he is loved by his mother, Rebecca. He's a mama's boy. He is loved by his mother. And then his twin brother, Esau, is described as red. So his complexion is is red and he's very hairy. They describe him as a hunter. He's always out in the fields and he is loved by his father. So we got these two twins. And these two different dynamics going on and as you as we go through the story you're going to see uh when the ego empire is trying to infiltrate um them and their lives and so even when we look at ego and how it's about you know i and it's about self-importance it's about us taking our pleasure seeking impulses and kind of like mediating between our environment like we take an assessment through our ego lens of the environment so we know kind of how to react to things and how we are going to let things go and think about um anytime that you've had a hard day so your environment has had an impact on you those are the days where most of the time you're going to give yourself a hall pass a cheat pass in whatever aspect because you're thinking hey i had a hard day today i deserve this hey i this was this was a tough uh, even for those who are students and uh, this was tough school was tough today I don't know if i did so good on this test so i need to go let me let me just reward myself with something we're always trying to make ourselves feel better and the thing i want us to get today is it's okay to do that as long as you just seek god god is going to listen god knows everything that we're going through he knows when we need to be rewarded he knows he sees our efforts he sees our work ethic he sees all of that and he will lead us and guide us as a matter of fact he will also even touch the hearts of men to be able to reward you and it does so it does you don't even you can just take the pressure off yourself but you always feel like i have you know it's i i i and i want to make sure that i'm doing right i want to make sure i take time for myself my me time and all that stuff god's got that all handled he has got it all handled he's got it all figured out so here's jacob and he's sodding pottage. And sod just means like to cook, boil, like to simmer. And he's making some lentils, which is very good, um, very healthy. And so he's doing his thing and he's just chilling. He's just chilling his tent. And so there becomes a, a comparison right here from the from the get up in the scripture because Esau is coming from the field. Esau is coming from working hard. He's hunting. He's out there doing his thing, sweat on his brow. And the Bible says he was faint. And so the comparison comes here and the ego empire is starting to try, try, try to infiltrate because it's saying like you know he he's constantly feeling like wait a minute here i am doing all this hard work coming from esau's point of view and here's my brother just just chilling just just cooking making something and i'm out here doing all the hard work and so it almost meant you know when we begin to assess things from our ego's point of view it begins to push us In a certain direction, and it may not necessarily be the direction God wants us to go in. And so it begins to push us in a certain direction to do something that makes us feel more important. We begin to look around and assess. We start looking inside of our family. We start looking inside of our job. We start looking inside of our society as a whole and trying to see, wait, wait a minute. Like I'm doing this and they're doing that. How can they just do that and they can be successful, but I'm doing all of this and I'm struggling? We begin to do an ego assessment of things that are going on, and so he's looking like, okay, I'm out here working hard, and he's does he doesn't seem to be doing anything. And not only am I working hard, but I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm working so much that I'm beca- I'm becoming faint. I'm becoming exhausted, and so we begin to look and say, well, you know what? If If that's what they're doing and that's what I'm doing, like I need to do something to make myself feel more important. I need to do something to make myself feel better. And so that ego becomes that governing authority in our life at that moment. And your ego doesn't feel like it needs to consult God. Your ego does not consult God. It doesn't feel it's necessary. It doesn't feel that it's even needed. Because when it does the the assessment of the quick assessment it, the the answer is always going to be, do something for you. Don't worry about what it costs. Don't worry about what the consequences are. Just, it pushes you to do something to make you feel more important. It's about that definition that, that Mike put up, that it's about self-importance. It's about that I, I, I. And so Jacob is out here. He's doing, I mean, Jacob is in there just chilling, doing his thing. And Esau is looking at this situation. And this is the point in the moment when that empire is starting to infiltrate, infiltrate his thoughts, infiltrate his feelings, infiltrate his mindset, infiltrate his actions, because he's not thinking about, well, let me find out what God wants me to do in this situation. God put you in the situation in the first place. He, he knew what he was gonna have Jacob do, and he knew what he was gonna have Esau do. So even in our situation, when we begin to compare, you're in your spot because that's where God placed you. So whatever it is that you're doing, you don't have to compare yourself to the next person. Because they're doing whatever God's asked them to do, prayerfully. And then you just stay in your own lane. The ego makes you jump all out of lanes, crossing lanes, no turn signal, none of that. Just boom, straight to the next lane. So God keeps us in a place where we can be pleasing unto God. And that's why I played that song in the beginning, Fred Hammond. I want to know your ways, God. Because I already know my way. I know how I would handle things. And it's not always going to be the best way. So in order to know the ways of God, this is t- us taking a hard look at ourselves and letting us know that we don't always have the best answer. Our egos are always pushing us to do the right thing. Amen. So understand, this was a normal day for Jacob and Esau, just a normal day in their life. This is what Jacob does. This is what Esau does. So what was it about this day? We think that something has to be big that happens in our life that's going to make us make the wrong decision. Like we feel like our back has to be up against some type of wall and then we're going to be like, oh gosh, what do I do? This was a normal day. Don't you know that your ego can try to take over that empire can try to infiltrate on just a normal day in your normal routine? You could just be going to work or some of you logging into work. Some of you still traveling into work. It could just be a normal day and a coworker does something and it that ego comes up and you're like, wait a minute. Uh, let me, let me tell you, I had a coworker who, (laughs) uh, just brought that that to my mind. It's not in my notes. Y'all see me looking down right here. I'm looking at my notes and she, oh Lord, she always was in the principal's office trying to butter up, like, you know, they call it brown nosing, Um, always, always. And I had a principal at that time that was able to see through it. It was was just so funny. And she would always go in there and tell all these things, you know, that she was doing and blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of the day, that principal, that particular principal um, chose me to lead a project. And my coworker was like, why'd you pick her? Like, I'm always, you know, telling you this and telling you that and and all of these things. And my sister right there saying, it's true. That happened to her this this Friday. But like her ego pushed her up and thought that, you know, I'm doing all this stuff and it's just a normal day at work. But it didn't go that way because it, it, the, the principal was able to, you know, see through those things. But that's what our ego does. Our ego our egos like, look at me, you know, look at what I'm doing. Like, you know, give me the position. Let me do it. But God is like, I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the right person for the position. I see everybody. I see what y'all doing when nobody else sees it. So God knows that he's putting people in, in situations and positions because he's just wise like that. And so this was a normal day. So don't think something huge has to happen for your ego to kick in. It could just be something as simple as you cooking dinner because that's what happened this day. Something as simple as you cooking dinner. <laughs> and so Jacob was sodding his pottage, cooking. Esau came in from the field. He was weak and he was exhausted so his and i'm still in 29 mike it was at this moment that his empire began to kick in and so let's actually go back to the definition real quick uh, for ego some people didn't get a chance to see it um that long a little bit later after so the eye of any person that self-importance these are the lenses that esau is beginning to look at him and his brother it's the part of you that reacts to the outside world and begins to mediate between that primitive drive, primitive, that innate drive for you to be pleasure-seeking. And you're not seeking pleasure for others, it's pleasure-seeking for yourself and the demands of the social and physical environment. So he's looking at his environment and he's doing an assessment. And he's like, the things I'm doing in my environment, it's making me weak, exhausted, and tired so this is where the wheels of his ego begin to turn all right so beware of your ego when you think you're doing more than someone else beware of your ego when you think you're doing more than someone else when you think that you and and you really compare yourself to someone that is doing the same thing but you seem to be doing more when it comes to cleaning up you're like wait a minute i clean the bathroom. I did the dishes, I did, and all you did was take the dog out. (laughs) Like, wait a minute, like we both live here. So I don't understand why, you know, I feel like I'm doing so much more than my counterpart. But then the counterpart doesn't know, you don't know what the counterpart is doing. They could be praying more to you. They, They could be doing more to you in a different area. But we wanted, that ego wants us to have tunnel vision and just see this particular area, clean it. And then your ego pumps you up to get mad about that and want to do something about it y'all hear that jersey coming out of me (laughs) want to do something about it so i'm gonna give y'all a life example real true story in college it was my last semester my last semester i was there for an extra semester doing my student teaching And I went to a predominantly Caucasian college. It was very different than any other schooling that I've ever had in my entire life. So it was a lot of things that I was uh, not accustomed to. So I was in a group, um, well, a partner project, myself and a young uh, Caucasian guy. And so all of the work was falling on me. All of the work was falling on me. And so my EO started to do an assessment. Now at this time, y'all, I could have gone to God because at, that's a time of my life where I knew God. And I could have said, you know what, Father God, please show me how to deal with this situation. But my ego said, you don't need to consult God about this because that's what our ego does. Because when things seem like, okay, just moralistic to us, then if we feel like we don't need to consult God. What do we need to consult God about? I know God wants me to, to reign in this situation. And then my ego pushed me up. And let me tell you what I did. I went to my professor. And this professor was um, borderline racist, I can say. And, um, you know, in a place of authority. And I went up to him and I said to him, hey, I'm doing all the work. I just want you to know that this partner that you gave me, (laughs) Lord, the boldness, this partner that you gave me is not doing anything. So all the stuff that's been turning in, I've been doing it. And that's what the basis of that conversation was with my professor this is the man who has my grade in his hand and i'm confronting him like listen you need to do something about my partner put me with somebody else that's going to work because i'm doing all the work i'm doing everything and y'all know that what the result of that was nothing my professor did absolutely nothing and that a that i got guess who else got that a my partner it was a pointless, time-wasting, energy-wasting, ego-inspired decision that, that profited me absolutely nothing. If I had gone to God, because God is a God of justice. God is a God, you know, he's the violence taken by force and all of that. But I didn't include God in that decision. It didn't feel like I needed to my ego did the assessment for me and my actions were inspired because of what my ego told me i didn't ask god god could have gave me a god could have told me you know after i prayed god could have told me you know bonita talk to your partner (laughs) you know communicate with him let him know that's probably how we'll handle it today Just a little bit more wisdom not going to the professor you know like how we go tell on people and think that you know something's gonna happen Have you ever been that type of person to go to God and tell on him, like tell on somebody like, okay, God, like, look at what they're doing. You know, they're not treating me right. You know, this and that, then the third. And then after all of that, God says, but what was your part in it? Like, what? (laughs) Lord, that's not what I came to you about. God will set that ego straight. He will set you straight. And sometimes he does sometimes he's like you're right you know you're right i'm going to do this i'm going to do that but a lot of times with the with his grace and his sovereignty and his mercies a lot of times he's saying okay what can you do differently how can you respond better because it's your response that's going to end up changing that situation or changing that person or turning that person's heart and so going to god is a key factor in the life of the believer even when it comes to normal, everyday situations, which is what is going on here in this verse. So I have pursued a pointless, time-wasting, ego-inspired decision. This word today is to prevent us, prevent us all from pursuing pointless, time-wasting, ego-inspired decisions. It's time to let God be our governing authority, not our ego. Amen. Let's look at verse 30 and 31. So verse 30 says, and Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee with that same red pottage for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom in verse 31. And Jacob said, sell me this day, thy birthright. So here we have Esau with his ego has already begun to infiltrate. So, you know, them stormtroopers already starting to come in. Um, he's saying, For I am faint. He's telling his brother, He's like, Look, look at me. Look at me, Jacob. Take a look at me. I've been out here. I've been working hard. You've been here just chilling. He said, For I am faint. Don't you know, Jacob could probably just look at him and tell that he was a little tired? Sometimes we try to make people know, like, look at me, look at the sweat on my brow. Look at all the hard work I'm doing. Didn't you see me turn this in and I did all of this? And we want, we want people to know everything we're doing where some of that stuff, God is saying, just keep behind the scenes because I see that in secret. I want to reward you openly, but we forget the secret part. We're like, no, let's put all my stuff out there in the open so people can know what I'm doing. He's like, Jacob, I am faint because I've been working hard. What you been in here doing? And he's like, Jacob was like, okay, okay, brother. But give me a birthright. <laughs> Look at the response. And sometimes when our ego comes on display and we present it to another person, guess what their ego does? They say, oh, uh, ego challenge, <laughs> square up. It's time to square up. So Jacob's response wasn't like, oh, okay. Let me go ahead and get you something to eat, brother. Oh my, God, sit down, honey, put your feet up. No, he was like. Give me your birthright. <laughs> the ego squared up. Yes, MK, it became an ego challenge. And so we want to be like, recognize me, see me, reward me, please me, make me feel better. Don't you see I deserve? Don't you see I deserve a reward? Don't you know God knows when we would deserve rewards? God knows what rewards we can handle. Sometimes we reward ourselves with stuff that we regret ending up later. We end up regretting later. Sometimes we reward ourselves with stuff that ends up putting us further back on our goals than what we're supposed to be because we didn't consult God about it. We just felt like that's what we deserved and we needed to be rewarded. And so their ego squared up and Jacob's like, okay, well, before I give you what, what you want, you got to promise me something that I want. And so we see later on down the line, if y'all begin to go into the scripture, you see later on the whole, you know, how this whole thing manifested with this birthright. And so when you are, you know, when you find yourself in an ego inspired moment, you know, you begin to settle for anything that makes you feel good in that moment. So Esau is not feeling good. He's feeling uh, tired, weak, and exhausted. So that food, you know, that food is smelling good to him. But his brother's like, oh, you want some of my food? Give me your birthright then. And so in this eager, inspired moment, Esau begins to agree to something that really God never intended for him to agree to. And so how many of us have been in situations like that where we have agreed to something just because it made us feel good or feel important in the moment that God never intended for us to agree with? Sometimes, you know, just something as simple as being, um, you know, trying to eat better, trying to eat healthier, trying to be on a diet. And you say, man, I've been on this diet. I've been eating healthy for 17 days. I deserve a what? I deserve a cheat day. But did God tell you that was your cheat day? You never know. He could have told you you could cheat the next day. But you just want to cheat whenever you want to. Cause you feel like I I I I I I deserve it. I've been working hard, so let me have a cheat day. And then that cheat day end up pushing you way back further on your goals. And he didn't. You didn't even get direction about what kind of thing you could have broke it with. You know. So we have to be careful. You know, not being so judgmental of Esau, because we found ourselves in that same place. I've been in a situation where I had a, a, a cavity in my tooth, and I'm like, well, I still want something sweet. <laughs> end up eating something sweet and being in pain like what was it worth those few minutes of pleasure but that's what our ego pushes us to do whatever's going to make us feel good but it's only in the moment it's only lasting in the moment and sometimes it's a moment that puts us back and makes us regret choices and decisions because we did not consult god powder donuts and strawberry milk yes marcus yes we all can relate to that To being aware, you know, so let's be aware of this presence, you know, that's within us. So it was nothing we could do about it. It's it's in us, but we can be aware of it so that we can consult God and not let it take over every single thing that we're doing. Um, Our whole purpose of living is to please God, to know his ways. And so to know his ways is to lose some of the ways about ourselves that we've gotten accustomed to don't let it be something you've been doing for years and years and years and years and somebody comes and tell you you know what that might not be the right thing that ego you got to push that ego down say so, you know what I received that information I received that wisdom and maybe I need to do things a little bit different because the ego will like you know what you've been doing it and you've been fine that's what the ego says but God is saying there's some things that we need to change there's just some things that we need to change so Jacob begins to say well sell me your birthright this day like don't don't promise it to me later on, right now, in this moment, make a decision. Quick, hurry up. Tell me right now, because he he had not released the food yet. It's like he's holding that thing. I'm not going to give it to you until you tell me that the birthright that was supposed to be yours, that you are now turning it over to me. And so look at that demand. So when we see that, that there's a, uh, uh, when egos get into it, there's always going to be an uneven exchange. There's going to be an uneven exchange when your ego gets into it with God. He does uneven change the other way. He gives you more than what you deserve. But when the ego is, is uneven. This is something that a bir- his birthright, that he is willing to exchange just for something to eat in this moment something he feels like he deserved because of all his hard work because he's doing more than his brother and so in verse 32 he begins to say esau said behold i am at the point to die and what profit shall this birthright do to me look at this response he's saying i am at the point to die And what profit shall this birthright do to me? There are two things on display here. We're looking at number one, exaggeration. And number two, pleasure-seeking impulses. Exaggeration. Don't you know that Esau's got more life to live? As you begin to read Genesis chapter 26, Genesis chapter 27, it wasn't like verse 35, you know, Esau passed away. No, (laughs) is it's it's not very good it's not a logical response to what's going on it wasn't a logical demand that his brother made but because the ego's on display and this comparison is on display and there's no seeking of god about what should be done he's like you know what even the way he's processing this he said i'm at the point I'm about to die esau calm down you ain't at the point you gonna die you did some hard work it's the same work you've been doing so why do you feel like it's about to kill you now? It's the same thing you've been doing. You've been doing it every day. But, but now something else, there's another presence, this other empire trying to kick in and control your decision-making. So you're just about to make a foolish decision based on how you feel in this moment after your ego assessment. And he's like, oh, well, I'm about to, I'm feeling I'm about to die. You know, when you get to that point where somebody hasn't called you in a while and you're like, you never call me. Is that, is that an exaggeration? I know it's been a while, but I never call you. I got somebody who who tells me like, you don't answer the phone, you know, you don't, you never answer the phone when I call. Hmm? Never, Uh, is that an exaggeration? You know, cause you feel like, you know, I haven't called you in a while. Or I haven't answered in a while. Like, we got to be careful there about that exaggeration. That's borderline lying, ain't it? We don't know. We know what lies have their place. We want to make sure we stay truthful in Jesus' name. So, we have to watch exaggeration when our ego starts coming into play. You know, I always do this. Do you always? I'm always, let's go back to that clean. I'm always clean. I'm always cooking. Always. What about last week? <laughs> just last week. Not even last month, last, last week. Remember last week when I, that exaggeration will make you just forget. And those words come in like, I always do this. I always do this. I'm always, I'm always on time at work. I have my, one of my coworkers, she's, I can't say she's always late, <laughs> but she is late a great deal. But I can't even look at that and compare and be like, well, I'm always on time because I always get there. I always get here before her. No, there's been a few times that, that that wasn't true. But in my ego moment, I'm like, man, she ain't never here on time. I'm always on time. That's what the assessment would be. But God will make sure you make the lens of truth come and refine our statements. Allow God to give the lens of truth to help refine your statements. And the things that want to come out of your mouth, so that they're not powered by your ego, your statements, but that your your statements are powered more so by the lens of the truth of God, and then speak that, and watch things be way more effective than they have been. So right here, so he's saying, "I'm I'm about to die, like I'll do whatever because I'm at the point of death." He's exaggerating, and then you see the pleasure-seeking impulse there. That next question says, what profit shall this birthright do to me? And one of the biggest questions that our ego always brings up in our mind, even if we don't say it out loud, is what's in it for me? What is in it for me? If I do this, then what do I get? If I agree to do this or go here, what is in it for me? We're always looking for what do I get out of it? And sometimes it's just a lesson of humility. Sometimes it's just a lesson of submission. Sometimes it's just a lesson of giving. That's what you're supposed to get out of it. A learning lesson. So we want something tangible. Okay, so if I do this, what what you got for me? So he's saying, you know what? What profit is this going to do me? What good is this going to do me? There's some things that, mm, thank you, Holy Spirit. There's some things that God has put in our hands and we don't even see the value of it. And when we assess it in our own strength, and our own mind, we don't see the value of it. And we say, well, what is this going to do for me? this singing that this singing talent okay what is it what what i'm gonna do with it how is it gonna is it gonna get me fame is it gonna get me on tv is it gonna give me a record label like what is it gonna be for me how come it can't just be god loves hearing you sing to him in the shower we want something from the things that we think we get and we don't see the value it's hard for us to find the value in some of the things that god has placed in our hands even right now to this day god help me to see the value of what you have placed in my hand. That's a good prayer to pray. Help me to see the value so I don't allow my ego to boost me up to have an uneven exchange. And I lose that thing of value, God, that you gave to me. Because there's some things of value that we have lost because we did not see it as a profit for ourselves. We did not allow God to show us in due time how that thing was going to go back and give him pleasure and give him glory we just saw at the moment it wasn't profiting us so he has he's he's like it's not doing anything for me that's when selflessness goes out the door and selfishness kicks in selflessness was gone and his selfishness kicked in well since it's not gonna do anything for me i guess i better give it away for what made him feel good at that moment Beware of those type of ego inspired, you know, promises, because it's always going to yield forfeit, uneven exchange. You know, let's go to uh, 33. <clears throat> Amen. It says um, in verse 33. And Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swear unto him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. And there you have it, the uneven exchange, a bowl of lentil soup or pottage for years and years of blessing being spoken over his life. And you'll see later on in Genesis where this whole thing come, comes into fruition and his mom gets involved in everything And remember, he's a mama's boy. So Rebecca, um, she gives him a little plan of how to get that birthright. But it seems like that's the day that Esau lost his birthright when you go forward. And I believe it's chapter 27. But the day he lost his birthright was this day, this normal day that we're talking about right here in verse 33. Jacob said, swear to me right now. You can't take it back. And Esau's response was, I swear to it, that uneven exchange because of an egotistically driven moment. We have got to be careful that we are seeking God. Y'all, this is now more than ever, we have got to be seeking God. Look at the assessment. So as we assess our social environment, our physical environment, look at what's going on in our nation. This is the time to be in God's graces, in the will of God. So we cannot be making decisions just because we think it's the right thing to do or because we feel like it or because we want to be pleased at the moment. Let me tell you, God is the best rewarder of all. And as you diligently seek him, there's rewarding you just for that. Just for saying to God, God, I know I usually just get dressed, but God, what do you want me to wear? For something as simple as that. He's just so excited and pleased about you seeking him. He's just going to reward you. And so he, he wants us to live our life and life more abundantly, but that abundance comes through him. We try to get the abundance on our own. We try to get that abundance on our own, but that life abundantly that he wants us to live is through him. Is through seeking him, through hearing him, through following his wisdom, through following his voice. And so here, this uneven exchange, this, this wasn't even a good exchange. There wasn't even any extra things thrown in there to, for, to even let it come up to the value of his birthright. He had something to eat. And as we go um, to the, the last verse, you'll see, he has something to eat, he has something to drink. Um, and it seemed like he got more than what he bargained for because he only wanted the, the potash. Yeah, that's all he asked for. And so that's what our ego does. It pumps us up like, oh, you, eat, you did better than what you ended up thinking that you were going to do. So you might get some money and God might say, okay, you know, the wisdom may be to save or even to be a blessing to someone else, but instead you go shopping. And when you go shopping, you're like, okay, I'm going to get a pair of shoes. And then when you get to the store, it's buy one, get one. It's a BOGO. So you get two pairs of shoes and your ego's like, oh girl, you got two pairs of shoes. All the while, God was saying, save. Or God was saying, be a blessing to someone else. But because you was driven by your ego, you deserve it. You worked hard for the money. You went to get your own thing and you did not hear where you might've needed that later on. And then a situation hits your life and you would have had it if you had listened to God over your ego. So even in this moment in 34, says, then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils and he did eat and drink. So the bread was extra. The, the, the drink was extra. Because he said, just, just give me the pottage. So Esau's like, man, like all I had to do was get up my my birthright. I got something to eat. And I got some bread. And I got something to drink. It still doesn't measure up. Even when we try to fool ourselves and, and make us feel like we made, oh, yeah, that was a good decision. We, we try to do anything not to repent. Anything not to submit. Anything to make us not feel low. But God says humble is the way. But we're trying to say anything, build ourselves up, make, make us feel like we did the right thing because we got a little bit extra than what we wanted or what we asked for, but we didn't get it in the right way. We didn't get it in the right avenue. Don't you know God has got more than enough? If you go through God's way, he will overtake you with blessings and it won't be something you regret later on. It won't be something that sets you back off your goals. It will be something to progress. God is all about you progressing. And some of the decisions that we've made have been pushing us back. And we're having to restart, recharge, remotivate ourselves, get ourselves back on track, get our mindset back right, and build ourselves back up to get back on doing the right thing where if we had sought God in the first place, we would already be on the right track. We'll be ahead of where we started rather than staying still and stagnant where we are or even beyond that, going backwards. God doesn't want us to go backwards. He wants us to move forward. And so we tell ourselves that It was worth it. The ego boosts us to think, well, it was, you know, I know, well, I think it was worth it. And it wasn't. We'll say, okay, that went well. And it didn't. Esau's birthright was not worth it. (laughs) It was not worth it. That exchange was not good. Going to call this guy, that guy, and, you know, it, it wasn't worth it. Calling that girl, this girl, that wasn't worth it going on that day, doing whatever. That, that was, it just wasn't worth it. Things may have felt good in the moment. Taking that sip wasn't worth it. Smoking that blunt wasn't worth it. And lying on that t- on that test wasn't worth it. I mean, because in the moment, it seemed like you got a good grade. Like, oh, okay, I cheated or I did this or whatever. In, in the moment, it's like, oh, I thought I was going to get an 80, but I got an 82 or whatever. And in the moment, it seems like, okay, you're boosting yourself to think that, all right, that was good. No, but it's a trick. That's right, Pastor Ivan. That's a trick because it sets you back because you ain't realize that your teacher knew you cheated. So now instead of, and I, I've had a situation like, no, I've, I've lived a lot of life. I still got a lot more to live. But, you know, with school, I had one student um, and I, I loved her so much. This is when I taught fourth grade. And she started doing so good on her uh, vocabulary test. And I was so proud of her and i'm like man she's doing good she's doing good she's doing good so one day one day and um just a little bit of background about her she was um english as a second language student esl so uh there was a little bit of a language barrier um you know with her so vocabulary you know that that is tough so when i saw her starting to do a little bit better i'm like man like she's really doing good so one day we got we lined up to go to the cafeteria to go to lunch and i had forgotten something so I told my students, you know, wait right there. She was in the classroom. She was always, she always will go to the end of the line. And she was at my desk looking at the answers. When I, when she um, got her, her uh, folder and I had her open it, she had answers upon answers upon answers for tests for about the past four weeks in a row. And I said, okay. Cause when I was grading it, I will like, you know, mark the answers and stuff like that. And I will leave it on my desk because they don't really, you know, my students didn't really come to my desk like that. And so this was what she had. She had been doing it for about four weeks, y'all. I was so hurt. Like I got so emotional. I was so hurt. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I understand that her ego pushed her up in the moment to do it because she's like, heck, everybody else doing good. I'm struggling. I want to do good too. I get it. It still was very hurtful i'm like oh my gosh first of all you all my personal stuff and then you've been lying you've been cheating stealing everything so i took her right to her mom because her mom worked at the school you know and exposed the whole situation like you know you just got to work harder and i can help you more and stuff like that i end up forgiving her but i'm just saying like it seemed good to her in the moment I'm, i got a hundred i got a 96. but look at what it costs it costs trust I didn't never trust her no more. i never let her be at the back of the lawn anymore. And I said that whoever was at the back, I said, close the door, make sure nobody don't go. And like, I had to change up how I did things because of what she did. So that it, it, it never, you know, got repaired, so to speak, to where our relationship was before that happened. And so when we do things like we have to make sure that we are not putting relationships at stake with the decisions that we're making because we want to do something that feel good, feels good in the moment for our spouses. So, you know, sometimes your spouse gets on your nerves. Sometimes they get on your nerves because they i to push those buttons, but that is not the time where, so, you know, let me go find pleasure seeking somewhere else because in the moment it feels good. You feel justified. Well, this, I'm not getting this, this, that, and the third from my spouse. I'm not getting understanding. I'm like, and sometimes not all just sexual for those of that, you know, that are married. Sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it's conversational. Sometimes it's, you know, I don't get uh, compliments like that. And so I'm going to go over here and get the compliment because I know that this person will compliment me. So let me just send them a quick message. Or if I'm at work, let me go stop by their cubicle or whatever the case may be. But it's COVID now. Don't stop by nobody's cubicle. (laughs) Not with your mask on. But y'all know what I'm saying. And so, you know, in the moment, it's like, man, you know, I felt validated. But it's not worth it. In the long run, it's not worth it, the amount of time healing that that it takes. So we have to make sure that we are looking at the things that God gave us. We're looking at the value of it. And if we don't see it, that's a prayer to pray. God, let me see the value of it. You might not see the value of your spouse. You might be wondering, God, why you even do this? Why did you put this together? Why did you let this be? Sometimes that's a, a human ego type a response to things when we looking at, you know, ourselves and me- trying to mediate between this world that we're living in, that's everyday life, that when things come up in our normal routine, we have to be assessing and looking and watching and keeping God in it. God, come in, like, give me wisdom, God, help me how to deal with this. Like that situation I had in college, I could have just asked God, how do I deal with this? Because I feel like I'm being untreated, which I was, but I didn't get the result I wanted because I didn't go about it God's way. And I didn't feel like I did anything wrong. I felt like it was good for me to bring it to my professor's attention. I felt like what I was doing was the right thing, but it might not have been the God thing. So we have to make sure that we're continuously talking to God and making sure that we find out what does God want? What does he think? We want to know his ways. And so after that exchange, you know, was secure. When he made him, when Jacob said, swear, swear to me, that's when he gave him what he wanted which was such a simple thing in Jacob's mind. He was like, man, I won that. <laughs> Jacob's mind was like, that's it? Like, oh gosh, like he might have been shaking his boots. Like he's going to ask me for something else. But Jacob's ego was like, uh, give me your birthright and swear to me right now. And Esau just bowed. He bowed in. He gave in. He gave in. So he got, you know, it seemed like he got more than what he expected. And so the reality, you know, God was, God is telling us to do things for a reason. We don't always understand it. God may say, wait, he may say, give, he may say a lot of things, but we need to know what God is saying because this particular act um, is irreversible. If you look at the end of verse 34, I'm just looking at my time. Okay. At the end of verse 34, it says, thus Esau despised his birthright. (laughs) Look at how he felt after it was all said and done. After he ate and drank and got up and left his brother's tent, everything begins to kind of replay back in his mind. And he despised it. He despised his birthright. And when we make the wrong decisions and what's done is done, It's irreversible, can't take it back. It's nothing we can do about it, but live with the results. Live with the regret, sometimes it brings shame because we did not adhere to what God was calling us or telling us to do in that moment. And when that reality sets in, you know, and that's when we realize that was an I decision. I made that decision. And so we want to know that the decisions that we make, that we know they're irreversible, but we want to make decisions that are pleasing to God, decisions that we can live with, decisions that we can ha- rejoice over, that we can be glad about. So it's nothing that Esau could do. Could do. He couldn't throw the food back up and give it back to his brother. It's already right. What's done has been done. And so we have to make sure that we're doing the right thing so that we can sleep well at night. You know, making bad decisions will make you sleep bad, not be able to get sleep because it's constantly on your mind, constantly on your mind, constantly on your mind. And so the ego is aware as a part of us that we need to be aware of. We do not want to be like the empire pulling us to the dark side, pulling us to that dark side because it don't seem so dark. Let me tell you, in that Star Wars movie, some of them powers and stuff that them dark side people had, it didn't seem so dark. And so the people who fell into the dark side, they thought they was doing the right thing. They th- felt like I'm joining the right side. So sometimes the things that our ego is driving us to do don't seem so dark, but we have to look at it through the lens of truth and to always consult God. And so in closing, I want y'all to know that you know our ego is a part of us. It's something that God did not take away from us, um, but we want to make sure that we keep it in check And the only way we do that is to go through God's word and to seek God in his presence so that we can know his ways. Amen. So let's give God a praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We will not let the ego empire rule our lives in Jesus name.